Hi, and welcome to the Stefan Libera podcast focused on Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today, for episode 117, we're talking with Pura Vida about his journey learning about Bitcoin privacy. But first, a word for the sponsors of the show. So firstly, check out Kraken, one of the world's leading and longest standing Bitcoin exchanges. They're consistently rated the best. They have a high quality platform. They offer some of the best liquidity in the industry. There's high trading volume and low fees with no minimum or hidden fees. On top of that, Kraken are renowned for their focus on security with Kraken Security Labs. They've got 24 seven support and on the institutional and business solution side, they're providing best-in-class accounting, reconciliation, and reporting services. Kraken have an OTC desk for higher-touch block trades. They offer five fiat currencies. They offer margin and futures trading. So to learn more and sign up, go to the Kraken link in the show notes. That's kraken.com. Next, Unchained Capital. They're doing Bitcoin financial services and they're offering a two of three keys multi-signature vault product and you can use Trezor or Ledger with cold card coming soon. It's a web-based interface. It's really simple and you can separate your keys, reducing that single point of failure risk. Unchained also offer Bitcoin collateralized loans. So you can get USD without selling your Bitcoins and that means you don't trigger a capital gains event. So while that loan's outstanding, you can see the Bitcoin stored on that address on the blockchain under what's called collaborative custody. So Unchained hold one key, you hold a second, and Unchained's independent third-party key agent hold the third key. So go to unchained-capital.com. Introducing a new sponsor, CypherSafe. They're producing the CypherWheel product. So are you keeping your Bitcoin seed backed up in a way that's fireproof, waterproof, rustproof, petproof, and tamper evident? If not, you should look into CypherWheel. It's a new product, it's compact, it comes in a wheel shape, and that masks the actual words of your seed unless you actually open a tamper evidence seal. So make sure you've got your seed backed up to help you in case your paper seed backup gets waterlogged, tampered, or goes up in a fire. With a cipher wheel, you can ensure that either you or your loved ones have access to your bitcoins if an accident occurs. And this is particularly important if you're in a single signature situation. So this product is available for pre-order. Check out the website, cyphersafe.io. The link is in the show notes. Introducing another sponsor, check out givebitcoin.io. It's the easiest and safest way to get your friends and family into Bitcoin. Take it from me, I've given Bitcoin to people before and they lost it because they just didn't know what they were receiving. That's why I saw huge value in Give Bitcoin, which allows you to time lock your Bitcoin gift for one to five years. Every month for the first year, Give Bitcoin delivers a lesson from a world-class curriculum put together with input from many well-known Bitcoiners, including Safedean, Matt O'Dell, Jan Pritzker, and others. I'm also an advisor with a small equity stake assisting with the curriculum. You can also get Bitcoin as a present for birthdays, Christmas, bar mitzvahs, graduation, and weddings. So put Bitcoin on your wish list at givebitcoin.io. I really think givebitcoin.io can have a positive impact on Bitcoin adoption and understanding. So I'm excited to have them as a sponsor. So today's episode is my discussion with Pura Vida. I've seen him around the traps in the Samurai Wallet chat group and the Noddle chat group. I thought this would be an interesting perspective to share in terms of learning about Bitcoin privacy and putting it into practice. So we talk about things like coin joining, considering your UTXOs and coin selection or coin foo as Rory Highside calls it, and using your own Bitcoin node and using your own block explorer. And this also incorporates using tools such as Samurai Wallet and Noddle. So here's the interview. Welcome to the show, Pura Vida. Hey, Stefan. Appreciate you having me. So Pura, I know you're doing a lot of work. Obviously, you're more of a pseudonym. You're not um, publicly disclosing your name and stuff. But I know you're doing a bit of work and you're actually a moderator in the Samurai Telegram chat group and also you're in the active in the Noddle chat group as well. But uh, yeah, I was really keen to talk with you. But let's just start with a little bit of just a little of background on yourself, obviously, without doxing yourself, just whatever you're comfortable to say around how, how you got into Bitcoin and why. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, honestly, I was always a gold and silver guy back in the day. I always wanted to control my money. You know, I, I, I was never a big fan of the banks. One of my buddies, I guess it was probably back in 2015, talked to me a little bit about Bitcoin. Unfortunately, I was not one of the 2009, 2010 guys like all of us wish we were. But um, yeah, so he started talking to me about it. We got online, started uh playing around with it, spending it, trading it, doing things we shouldn't be doing probably on the trading side. But uh, now that 
I know more about it, but, um, you know, got into it and really started uh, seeing the value in it. And from there, as the years progressed, the big bull market, we all rode up and rode back down and everything. Um, started really, I got involved in the, uh, learned about Samurai Wallet, Noddle, and all these other awesome teams out there, probably uh, 2017, 18, somewhere in that area, and really honed in on the privacy aspect with internet life in general. But uh, I mean, with Bitcoin, it's very important. We need that. So really got me focusing on um, what we what most people don't think about in, in this in this space. So it's uh, it's really cool to be involved there. Awesome, man. Um, and so tell us a little bit of your journey of how maybe in the earlier days you might have just used random wallets, but now you've sort of learned more of the ethos of running your own full node and connecting to your own full node. Oh, yeah. So I, I couldn't tell you how many wallets I've had on my phone. It's been anything from bread before it was brd um i've had you know uh gosh i don't even know what other wallets i've had on there just random bitcoin wallets that popped up in the ios app store because i was using apple at the time um so i was you know we're all pretty limited there on what what we could get um the functionality well coinbase wallet too you know i mean that's just unfortunately what was easy to use then um there really wasn't many good ones out there i mean they were starting to pop up, learning coin control when everything was important. So trying to figure out what wallet gave you the full coin control, uh, what wallet let you send it off their wallet to your own hardware wallet. So started learning more on the hardware wallet side and really through that whole process, still not really thinking about the privacy side yet, you know, and that's, uh, that's a whole different aspect there. So uh, my journey was iOS based got uh, somehow, I think it was a Andreas Antonopoulos chat, heard him talking about Samurai Wallet on one of his videos, went and joined the group and they really opened my eyes before I even started using the wallet on how privacy should function and work within the Bitcoin ecosystem and just in life in general um, and how bad I was at it honestly. Um, and all of us are probably, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. So, um, got talking about or started focusing on Samurai and I heard people saying, eh, just get you a cheap Android phone and do, you know, get you a $50 phone, hundred dollar phone, did that, start playing with the wallet, loved it. And eventually three Androids later, got a nice Android phone and I haven't looked at iOS since. Right. So, I mean, that's where I am in life with the, uh, the wallet side. So, um, after that, um, I was one of the first CASA node guys. So right when Jameson tweeted that CASA was rolling out a node, I got on board, um, got involved there, really liked what they were doing, the whole Lightning Network thing. Um, how And you know, second layer solutions, bringing privacy to Bitcoin kind of clicked in my head a little bit how that's an option as well. So I wanted to, um, you know, join on the node in a box thing. I was running a full node for a while. It was on a desktop computer, laptop or whatever. Um, but there's also a lot of uh, issues there you have with you're running hundreds of different software programs that you don't know what they're doing to different parts of the computer there. So uh, there's some threat factor or threat vectors you have to watch out for. And I wasn't really thinking through that, nor was I doing a lot on a desktop wallet anyway. But um, the node in all in a box its own hardware doing its own thing really clicked in my head. So jumped on with Casa, then Noddle came out and I saw the power that Noddle had. So got a Noddle not too long after. And ever since I've just been building, uh, so I've you know, got multiple nodes. Electrum started with Electrum Personal Server learning about bringing, you know, controlling those keys, watch, verifying all your own transactions, not relying on block explorers to give you that information is very important. And uh, from there, you know, you have BTC pay server uh, availability. So um, I'm part of the Lightning Hood team. So we, we had a store and all that. So we used BTC pay server with that as well. Um, but then with Samurai rolling Dojo out, uh, spun that up on a desktop, pointing it to the Bitcoin node on my noddle. And now, full fl- in my mind, full-fledged self-sovereignty there. You know, I'm doing everything myself from verifying all my Whirlpool mixing transactions, 
um, through Dojo, verifying all my mobile wallet transactions, and then anything I'm doing with hardware wallets as well. So it's uh, it's trying to start that full stack compatibility there. Right. Yeah. And let's break that down a little bit just for listeners who might not be as familiar. So typically a lot of wallets are basically calling out to somebody else's server. And so the idea here is if you're able to set up your own Bitcoin server, then you can do that in a way that's more respecting of your own privacy. And you're also not trusting because how do you know that, for example, the if you're trusting somebody else's server, how do you know they're not lying to you, right? And so that is um, where these node products can come in. <clears throat> and uh, can you tell us a little bit about your process around setting up the noddle uh, and then connecting that with your own uh, devices? Yeah, sure. So um, Keto Miner's done a great job building that product. So when you when you get the box itself virtually plug and play, right? So you're plugging it in, you log in, uh, you can SSH into it if you want to get root access to it and do anything you want on the box outside of the, uh, the GUI or the, I guess the web, the web interface. But basically when you log into your web interface, set your password and everything, you have access, you start by installing Bitcoin D. Then right behind that, I always prefer to go with Tor. So run everything behind Tor, no matter what, if you can, in that aspect. Um, from there, you can install LND and uh, the Lightning yeah, Lightning Network theme in there. Um, if you want BTC Pay Server, you can do that. Uh, when, the, when the Noddle first rolled out, uh, you have Electrum Personal Server, uh, which is basically a backend option to not use the Electrum servers um, because... It's a speculation, but we're all pretty sure that Chain Analysis has some Electrum servers out there. And I, I damn well know in the beginning, I was, I'm sure, pinging back in the day, pinging Electrum servers without even paying paying any sense about, you know, not even thinking about it. So um, so running EPS and now he has Electrum X on there, which that actually takes a whole basically transaction history. So the log... Um, when you log on, your transactions come up almost immediately, which has been really nice. Um, so, and you can run a lot more wallets on there. Uh, and you're also not putting your XPubs into Electrum Personal Server. So when you do Electrum Personal Server, you're putting your XPubs on there. And, you know, that's that's a risk factor, I guess, exposing those XPubs. Um, you know, if somebody malicious somehow got into your computer or something and saw those XPubs, again, it's just exposing things you don't want out there. When it comes to Bitcoin privacy, I think there are different parts in the life cycle, if you will, right? Because you've got acquiring the Bitcoins and storing the Bitcoins and spending those Bitcoins. Maybe if we think of it in terms of acquiring those Bitcoins, there are different ways to do that, obviously. So you could buy it in cash in person yeah. uh, using things like BISC or HODL HODL, or you might uh, use uh, a KYC exchange and some people might do a mix afterwards. What, how do you think about those ways of acquiring Bitcoin? And then what should listeners be thinking of when it comes to their Bitcoin privacy and what they've just done in terms of how they acquired those Bitcoins? How they acquired, sure. So honestly, it all comes down to a threat level in my mind, right? So most people out there are going to go with what's easy. It's going to be a KYC, nice interface, quick. The fees are not bad. So your Coinbase is, and I'm just speaking in terms of localized to me, but Coinbase, your cash app, um, gosh, I don't even know, uh, you know, even just a standard exchange, right? If they're doing a little trading, you can buy on there with, however, uh, you send money to Gemini and buy that way, right? So it depends on your threat level. If you don't care, you're in it for the trading, by all means, do whatever you want. Again, not your keys, not your coins, right? So buying on an exchange KYC, what you're doing is... They will report you to whatever tax authority you're in. They might they might not give you your reports, but they're watching and they can find that out, right? So your other options, you got BISC, completely decentralized exchange. Um, it's a great product. The liquidity's a little off and on depending on where you are, right? Um, but but it functions, it works, it's great. Um, HODL, HODL, I've never personally used, but it look, seems to be a really good good option out there. And, you know, local Bitcoins before they started really hammering down on the KYC was great. Um, luckily, I met a guy that I can do cash trades if I ever buy Bitcoin, which I don't do. Um, I can do uh, cash trades 
with him if I wanted to, or anybody could do that if they know. So the threat model though, what you have is your UTXOs, they don't, when you when you put them into a wallet, let's just, we'll use Coinbase for instance, you want to buy 150 bucks worth of Bitcoin, they're, they're going to send you a transaction. Say you want to send it to your hardware wallet. Okay. It goes off Coinbase to your hardware wallet, just say Trezor or cold card. Well, then another day you have your samurai wallet. You found a guy that's got 150. You just do cash transaction, right? You send it to that same hardware wallet. If you're not thinking about it, you actually have $150 in Bitcoin. You in one, just say one UTXO that hasn't been tied to your name in any way. But once, let's say you want to go buy something and you're not really thinking about you have enough Bitcoin, but you're not thinking how you acquire that Bitcoin. And then you need to merge those UTXOs to give this person $250. You have now just implicated yourself in a merge transaction that now somebody looking on chain on the blockchain or chain analysis, looking back, they will link your Coinbase transaction to your non-KYC transaction, right? So if that doesn't matter to you, by all means, do what you wish. But how I look at it is to protect yourself in those cases, keep a separate, either a separate wallet. Um, if you use Trezor, you can have multiple wallets on the same Trezor device. You could do passwords. If you use Samurai wallet, just spin up a different Samurai wallet if you want. Um, but keep them separate. If that's the easiest way for you not to merge transactions, have two different wallets for KYC versus a non-KYC. Um, and then you don't risk going through that issue, right? Um, from there, I always think, like the samurai guys say, every spend should be a coin join, right? So mix all your trans, mix all your coins. It's not that expensive, and it enhances your privacy. It's not the end all be all, but it enhances your privacy, and also enhances other people's privacy out there. It just it helps build that ecosystem of constant mixed coins where it breaks up the heuristics of blockchain analysis, right? So I think that's a really good habit to be in. Yeah. So let's break that down a little bit. So my listeners, so listeners, if you haven't already, make sure you go and check out episode 78 with Samurai Wallet, uh, where we spoke about Whirlpool. So Pura, did you want to just talk through your thoughts on using Whirlpool? What does that look like? Uh, for the listener, just so th those who aren't as familiar with it. Sure. So um, right now, Whirlpool is on a, um, basically it's a, it's a desktop wallet. Um, they also have a client version, which is more for more advanced users. Uh, I would say very, not very soon, but soon they're going to be rolling out the mobile mobile Whirlpool wallet, which is going to open it up for everybody and be great. But right now, um, you need to have a Samurai wallet, mobile wallet, to use Whirlpool, right? Because what you're doing, that wallet, that mobile wallet is what actually, you know, that's your private keys and everything. And that's what you have to link to the Whirlpool interface. So when you spin up the interface, which you can use on Mac, Linux, uh, Windows, I believe as well, um, it's a real easy to use interface. And you'll, you have basically a payload. Well, I'm not going to call it a payload, basically an encrypted, uh, string of numbers and characters that you paste in from your mobile wallet into the interface and it loads the UTXOs you have available, right? So from there, it's pulling all the information, all the UTX open, unspent UTXOs that are uh, sitting in the main part of your wallet. And then inside there, you can uh, do what's called a TX0. So that's the initial transaction, right? So from there, what happens is you click that and what ends, if you click it, you set your fee, you can do a high fee. If it's a high priority transaction, you can select the high fee, mid-range fee and a low fee with the way the mempool's been. It's been pretty easy to get low fees to go through there. It's been nice. Sorry, just to clarify with the TX0, can you just explain what that's doing, i.e. it's uh, cutting up into the pools and it's taking the fee. Do you want to just explain that? Part? Correct. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so basically what it's doing, uh, we'll just use a, uh, we'll just say 0.5 Bitcoin, for example. And let's say you want, they have three pools right now. You've got a 0.5 Bitcoin, you've got a 0.05 Bitcoin, um, pool and then you've got a 0.01 Bitcoin pool. So what happens is when you click that TX0 is, and we'll just go to the 0.05 Bitcoin pool. Samurai takes a 5% fee 
which is a pool of the 5% of the pool size, right? So a 0.05 pool would cost you 250,000 Satoshi. So 0.0025, right? That's the fee. Um, you mix unlimited after that. So once you pay that 5% fee, whatever UTXOs go in there, mix unlimited until you spend them on the other side. So you have their fee. It's going to break up into, in this case, it would be nine premix UTXOs. So what they'll do is nine UTXOs will go into your premix part of the wallet. That'll be 0.05. And then at the very end, they'll have a minor fee associated because those premixers, those who have not mixed yet, have they're the ones basically paying the mining fee for each Whirlpool transaction. So you'll have a small mining fee associated with, with each of those nine or UTXOs. And then um, you have your change output that does not get mixed. So that'll be the breakdown of what you see in the actual transaction. You'll also have what's, uh, it's, it's basically an op return code in there, which is a un unspendable transaction, but it's where inside you can see a note. So for instance, we'll use the S code. Uh, Samurai Wallet gives uh, every once in a while they'll have a 15% off your Whirlpool for two days, maybe, right? And that that is translated into that op return code there. So you'll see that on blockchain.info. So did I explain that right for you? So you're breaking that initial trend, that TX0 into those subsets. Gotcha. And then I think it's important to note that difference because that's a slight difference in the way, say, wasabi mixing happens, where uh, Samurai has that structure of having that initial TX0, which I think creates an additional separation, whereas the wasabi, it's, it's sort of mixing straight away. And uh, I think it, this comes down to the structure of the mix and how the solution has been architected, if you will, right? I would, I would agree with that. And without going into a ton of detail, I, I don't want to knock the other, but the, the way Samurai structures it is basically once you TX zero, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but if you merged a bunch of KYC and non-KYC coins before you mixed in Whirlpool, you do a TX zero, it goes into a pre-mix way. Once it's out the other side, they're broken up. The heuristics has been broken, right? The way wasabi, the way the wasabi structure is, is um, you know you're doing, you're you're putting all these UTXOs you have in, and they're you say you want to do a non-set of a hundred or something. They're pulling from all those UTXOs until each of the one each of the UTXOs that kind of side are mixed to that non-set, right? But they're all constantly intermixing with each other throughout that. And I don't believe in that structure, it breaks it up completely, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I get you. Um, I, yeah, so again, I don't want to like start a debate or anything, um, but I think it's just a different structure. And uh, I think that part of it, to me, it makes a little more sense in terms of how that's done. Um, but I could hear an argument the other side, right? So maybe a person who's, uh, let's say, uh, the argument might be, okay, well, fine, but Wasabi has a much higher number, higher number of users, and you know, therefore that helps, uh, you know. Correct. Yeah. In in each mix, right? Yeah. So it sets a that's definitely a separation there. So it's it's a preference thing at that point. Um, I I think. You know, in the end, the way it's broken up, it's nice. The mixes go quick, right? So once you and that's that's another thing. Once once you start mixing and the liquidity's there, it's flying through until you know you're out of premixers, and then then you're waiting. So once you mix, your transaction goes out. Each one of your UTXO outputs is identical, so they're all going to be 0.05. Can't tell the difference. Um, that's that's where you get that zero deterministic link, which is nice. And then you can, as long as you leave them in that wallet, they're just continually mixed and you're not paying more fees on that side either. So that helps the cause a little bit. Right. Yeah. So that's, I guess, once it's into that premix, as you mentioned, it, it then, uh, once enough users are available in the premix, it does yep. a cycle. And there are certain rules that Samurai Wallet applies, such as, you know, no previous TX, or I think it's, um, there's certain rules about uh, what, 
will be allowed to be mixed into the same mix, obviously, to preserve. Correct. You won't ever see it from the same TX or UTXO. Yeah, correct. Right. You're right. Yep, and then, absolutely. so as you were mentioning, there's the free writing part, which is essentially as you have already done a mix and you can just sit in there and then some new person who comes into premix, they might be the one who want to do a mix and they will pay the minor fee associated for that and then you just get a free ride mix out of that. Correct. Yeah. And you're providing liquidity for everybody new coming in, right? I mean, you're just adding liquidity, um, enhancing your Anon set because every mix you're you're just multiplying that that breaking away further from that initial TX zero. So um, it, it's helping the ecosystem and it, and it goes quick. Once, once people are in there and doing it, it's a quick mix. So yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. And now let's talk about the post-mix spending part of this, because I think this is another part where it seems to me like the samurai approach is a little more holistic in this from what I've read and what I understand, because samurai wallet is essentially trying to push the user down pathways where they're less likely to screw themselves over by accidentally merging a post-mix UTXO with a pre-mix UTXO. So as I understand with Samurai Wallet, you've got that menu and then it, you go into post-mix spend. I think right now that's a temporary is, thing yeah, until, it, or, um, yep. until yeah, the UI fixes up or is uh, uh, iterated further. But my understanding then is Samurai also tries to get the user to basically do a stonewall a stonewall x2 or a kahoot spend coming out of the postmix so can you just talk to those uh ideas a little bit postmix spend is underrated out there people are like what the heck is that or what what do i you know what do i need to be thinking right so coin joins are great but if on the back end you're not paying attention to how you manage those utxos going out you you could complete i mean you basically wipe out anything you've done in the beginning you you just made that point uh, very clear there. So I think the post-mix spend is extremely important on what you do. And Ergo BTC um, has done a phenomenal job on Twitter using the KYC, uh, kycp.org site and ox.t.me and looking at different mixes from both Whirlpool Samurai and just spends in general and seeing how all these post-mix spends can really screw up and create links back to to what your initial spends were. So um, so to get into the post-mix, yeah, so you have a Stonewall option and S Samurai Wallet, even in uh, the pre-mix side, had a Stonewall option. So basically what they're, the basic gist of that, it's trying to, what it would do is, I don't know the exact how it's formulated, but what it does is, let's say I want to send Point one Bitcoin to somebody. You typically with a Stonewall, you need to have at least two times the amount you want to send because what's going to get sent to an address is going to be an output. They're going to have an identical output to what was sent, and they're also going to have two more identical outputs, but different than the first two that are going to be in the post mix or in that basically those post send um, UTXOs. So you're going to end up with, say, four UTXOs, two of each are the same with each other. And what's that? what that's doing is giving you plausible deniability on what is happening or what has happened. So it, it, it's a really nice, it, it breaks up, you know, chain analysis on what they're looking. You can't, you can't tell for sure what somebody's spending there. So it's a really nice option. And like you said, post-Whirlpool, that's... If your wallet or you, your UTXO set can handle it, you will be almost not forced, but you're basically essentially the wallet's going to make you do at least a Stonewall if possible. So, um, and one thing we didn't even bring up before Stonewall, you can manage the UTXO single as well. So if you want to send each one, one by one, uh, you can do that. And again, that's a, that's a really nice way to make sure you're not going to merge them as well, especially if you're going to cold storage or something. So um so yes you can do single you can do a stone wall the stone wall times two is basically you're coordinating with say a friend now again you're ask you're adding a trusted third party that's a friend but they will see in that structure they're going to be able to look back on the blockchain and see two utx they'll know two of them were theirs they'll know two are yours right so they can backtrace at least so far 
and see something. So you have to add a little layer of trust in there. So make sure you know that. But again, it's going to create a similar output to what the Stonewall does. You're just using somebody else's UTXOs along with yours uh, to, again, further break up some of that, uh, what, you know, chain analysis will look at and see. Gotcha. And uh, do you want to just talk through what a stowaway is? Now, my understanding there is you, this is if you are spending to another samurai user, and this is basically like a, like a pay join that does not reveal the actual amount spent. Correct. Yeah. So this actually ends up just looking like a regular transaction, essentially. So it is, it's very similar to a pay join. Um, You are doing it with another Samurai user. And again, you're adding that layer of trust in there. They are going to see the UTX shows you're spending. So definitely keep that in mind. But um, it honestly, it, it looks like a no, none of the outputs actually match what is being sent, which is really cool. And I'm not a, too big of a math guy. It's it's amazing to me how these guys build this stuff and you know make make all this happen. But um, yeah, it's a it's a very good way to uh, break up um, you know what chain analysis is going to look like or any any anybody looking back on the blockchain is going to see. So yeah, that's a really good option as well. And Samurai doesn't charge anything for those those services. That's that's just something you can do. The only thing you're going to do is end up paying a little more minor fee because you're you know you you're doing a little bit higher uh transaction cost there so gotcha yeah no that makes sense and in terms of uh, how it's actually done uh i've done i've tried it with a friend as well where basically you you craft a transaction together with that other person right and so you would do it by sharing the qr codes can you just talk through that process you can yeah you can do qr codes um off the top of my head i want to say it's a five-step process um I believe when you're going back and yeah, I believe it's a five-step process. It'll end up being either QR codes with each other. It could be um, basically text blobs that you can paste back and forth to each other. So you and I across the world from each other could do this easily if we wanted to through an encrypted chat, right? So we could, uh, and I've done that with a couple guys and it's worked great. So again, every once in a while, you'll find out it doesn't work if somebody's UTXO set isn't set up for it too. So you have to make sure somebody has enough uh, mix of coins in there to be able to handle the, the the value of the transaction going through as well. Got it. Sorry, could you explain that part a little bit? So that's one part where sometimes when I'm testing with a friend, I wasn't able to construct it because as I think, as you mentioned, the, the UTXOs weren't configured in the right way or there weren't enough there to craft or construct that transaction. Could you just outline what are the some of the guidelines for that? Well, that's a good question. You might stump me here, but to mind, all right, so um, like I said, kind of Stonewall, you have to have at least double the amount that you're, it's, it's going to need at least double the amount that you're wanting to send, right? So if you're UTXO set, say you want to say send 0.1, but you only have 0.15, it's not going to stonewall, right? It's going to be similar with um, the stowaway. I just don't know what how the breakdown of the UTXO set is, but my my assumption is if you have, uh, if we want to do one that's, uh, you know, again, 0.1, but I hold 0.75 of it uh, or 0.075 of it, it isn't going to work because there's not enough UTXO on uh, mix of UTXOs on your side to complete that uh, stowaway. So I... I does that make sense? Yeah, gotcha. I think, yeah, so it sort of comes down to how many inputs you've got there that you can yeah, put you, into, you, that you can contribute to that little transaction. Both have to have a certain amount of inputs there that, that will function together to create that app, the, the output the way it needs to be. Yeah, correct. I just don't know the values of what each side needs to have. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's a little bit beyond us uh, mathematically and uh, <laughs> yeah, technically. But um, Yeah. Okay, so one other point, I guess... This is the point where I think it's difficult right now, but will hopefully become easier because right now, theoretically, if most people are using Samurai's backend, they have, obviously they would choose this trade-off for that for whatever reason, sure. but they're doxing their coins to Samurai Correct. in that yeah. sense, right? Samurai knows who they what their coins are. They don't necessarily know your identity unless you Correct. tell them, yeah, obviously. Sure. Um, but then hopefully... If more people start using Dojo as the back end, then this problem starts to go away. Yeah. So Dojo, when they released that to everybody, that that was great because what what we basically all have an option to have out here is 
our own full samurai backend, right? So what we have, what they released is identical to what they use, what their servers are. Now, theirs are a lot larger because they're thousands of people are using them, right? So, but the, the software itself is the same. So what they do, I mean, they're, they have a log X, they have X pubs. They know all the transactions going in and out. Like what you said, they know nothing about us unless we give that information to them, right? So they don't log IPs or anything. So again, it's a threat level thing. If you're more comfortable relying on their server, just like you're more comfortable relying on the Trezor web wallet or just, you know, it's a threat level thing. So, but for those that want full coin control for themselves um, and be assured that they are watching their own backend, they're controlling everything from the buy side all the way to the spend side without leaking that information, running that Samurai Dojo server is um, the way to go. And what it does when you log on, when it's installed and they just rolled out the partnership with the model. I'm sure you saw that obviously. And that's, that's going to be a phenomenal tool right there all in one box. Um, but what, what you do is you actually pair using a QR code uh, through um, the, the interface all over tour. And what it does is it pairs your wallet. And then from that side, you can select if you want to use your Bitcoin D as the back end. You can use the uh, ox.t.me API as the back end for doing some rescans and everything. That's an option you can set up there. Um, but from there, everything you're doing is being uh, run on that Samurai back end there. Just very similar to how Electromex works, EPS works, just for but for Samurai wallet. So uh, you're controlling everything in-house. And Whirlpool as well. You know, all that's being done right inside your scope of stuff. Yeah, that's great. And I've got a noddle as well. So I'm looking forward to uh, the dojo coming on that. And I know, as you mentioned, there is the new premium level noddle uh, yeah. and samurai collaboration, which yeah. is the, the red one. Obviously, yeah. it runs faster. The faster. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so uh, one other thing, I think it's also good to talk about how people should be segregating their coins. So they might have cold storage and they might have day-to-day -day spend what are your thoughts on that gosh there's so many ways you've done a lot of good videos lately uh with this with multi-sig and cold storage you got cold card there i mean there are so many options it's almost too many options but um so it really um well threat level for one thing um how much bitcoin you have right i mean if you only have quarter Bitcoin, it might not be worth going out and buying a Trezor and doing all this setup for if you're not planning on keeping much more than that. But for those that have one, five, 10, 20, hundred thousands, right? You want to have a pretty full setup or be assured, you know, through multi-sig, um, through your own personal setup, Glacier Protocol, you know, I mean, it, it you can go many different levels with this uh, to decide what's right for you. But, um, you know, in this space, not your keys, not your coins, right? That's, that's an important narrative we all spit out there and understand. Um, but to our own detriment, that could be bad as well, because you're in full control of those coins at that point. And if you aren't paying attention or you do something wrong, you lose your seed words or you forget a password they're gone right so um how i how i look at it is you know samurai wallet specifically that's the one i would use uh or i use you keep what you need to spend you have to have what you're mixing because that is part of you know the mix process um, you can set Samurai Wallet up basically as a cold storage hardware wallet because it can actually be done all offline when you do a setup. Uh, there's some videos online that you can uh, go through. Um, so you can set it up, get a wallet on there, throw it in a safe or whatever and let leave it on or keep it plugged in and let the thing keep mixing if you wanted to. Um, from there, you have hardware wallets. You've got your multi-sig. Everything, hardware wallets, I think are important. You know, there's, I think that the cold card's my favorite. I don't know what your thoughts are there, but I, I like the cold card. I like the partial, partially signed Bitcoin transaction portion to that. Um, I think that's a, the air gap way is the way to go. Um, the secure element, everything they're, they're doing there, 
is the right way to do it. Um, Treasury's got a great, done a great job. They finally went Bitcoin only on some of the firmware, uh, which I think is really cool. It closes off some of those attack vectors. And I believe I heard uh, somewhere they are rolling out a uh, base. It, they'll get away from that web interface and have a desktop style application. Did you hear that as well? Yeah. Yeah. They are having uh they're going to be coming out with Trezor Suite. Yeah. Trezor Suite. That's it. So, um, you know, having the cold or having a hardware wallet for basically the bulk storage is not a bad way to go. I think multi-sig as it simplifies, uh, Castle's done a great job, honestly, creating some simplification there. You're also adding a layer trust a little bit um, in there because you're doxing a little bit of your information of your public or your XPUB information. So they'll, they could technically see what you have, but they offer a good solution for those that maybe aren't so technical, technically savvy um, to, to control and keep those Bitcoins safe, right? Um, I'm sorry, I might have got off, offline, off topic. Yeah, there, yeah. No, well, I think, uh, yeah, well, I mean, we were just talking about the segregation. So I think it's also from a privacy point of view, you might want to take extra care around what coins have oh, been sorry. KYC'd yeah. and then spent into gotcha. your cold storage. Yeah, yeah. That so, sort of thing. Um, and would, whether you would like run that through a mix before spending into cold storage, that kind of thing, and then have an, a, a smaller amount, obviously, that you keep on your phone for day-to-day use, let's say. Gotcha. So, yeah, I went completely off topic there. Um, so, yeah, in my mind, right, the segregation, I, if you're using a KYC exchange, unless you're planning on spending that Bitcoin right away, I don't, you don't necessarily have to mix it. But when you go to spend... I think you should mix it. I think every coin that's out there should go through a mixer. It's not that expensive. It enhances privacy for everybody involved. And um, you're breaking, if you don't have to spend that KYC coin up, you put it through a mixer, what comes out on the other side? You broke that off. You kind of broke that away from that initial KYC because a little bit, because they don't, they can't automatically assume that those UTXOs on the other side are yours, right? So Anything you put through that mixer will break up a little bit, but necessarily, do you have to go to cold storage that way? No. But if you're looking 20 years from now when fees could be a lot higher, doing it now might be a better time. Mix it now. Go to cold storage, right? So it really depends what kind of long-term output you're looking at there as well. Um, But like you said, don't keep it all on a mobile wallet. I don't think that's a safe way to go function. So anything you keep on the mobile wallet, the nice thing when Samurai rolls out the uh, mobile whirlpool, you don't have to mix it right away. If you go, if you need to spend a little bit, you'll be able to push a button, mix it, goes out on the output on the other side, and then go ahead and spend it, right? So you have a couple minutes there that you need to wait for the mix to happen, but then you're spending on the other side. So you don't necessarily have to mix right away, but I do think it's very important that you do mix your coins before you spend them, because again, you're enhancing not only your own privacy, but everybody else involved too. Right. And another example, let's say you are buying and selling Bitcoins in person and you're doing cash trades. Sure. Uh, at that point, the other, the counterparty could essentially look on the blockchain and try to trace back theoretically. I right? didn't even think about that. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. This is another reason why you might need to think about doing mixing before or after, let's say, uh, doing this kind of cash trade if it's like a less trusted counterparty, let's say. Yeah, you might not know the person from, you know, uh, anywhere. And if you if you took it out of a 10, 10 Bitcoin UTXO and he wanted to buy 0.5, he knows you got nine and a half sitting there. So that's a... Uh, that might, in his term, be a good reason to follow you home, right? So uh, that's a very <laughs> good point. Um, so yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So the from the K or from the non KYC trade points, yeah, definitely mix before you're sending them as well. So absolutely. Just thinking off the top of my head, I mean, you can mine Bitcoin, although probably not a lot, probably not a high percentage of my listeners are Bitcoin miners. Yeah. Uh, but maybe some of them, and uh, not too profitable yeah. for most of us out yeah. there, probably. <laughs> And I guess the other way is obviously earning Bitcoin, right? So if you've got BTC sure. Pay Server or, you know, um, you can obviously earn Bitcoins and that's probably one of the best ways. Yeah. You got Lolly, you got GetPay, you've got, you've got a ton of ways out there. But again, so to your point there, you're earning them. The Lollies, the GetPays, the ones that are giving you cash Bitcoin back, 
they you're linked to them in a way because they've got credit card transactions or something going on there. So there's a linkability for sure. And people think KYC, oh, if I give a driver's license, that's KYC, but credit card or bank card, ah, they have no idea. They got everything on you, right? So anything that you associate any kind of credit card with or whatever, run those through uh, a coin join for sure, because you know you want to break that up there. Um, like you said, earning fr- uh, through BTCPA, uh, Lightning or Lightning Hood site, you know, or stickers or whatever. I mean, people are sending us coins from wherever, but yeah, you definitely want to mix it because those people can look on the chain and see where it goes in, see what's there. Um, you want to you, you want to break that up and not show that to everybody. I mean, it's it's just. Something we all don't think about, but it's extremely important, you know. Right, yeah. And hopefully with Lightning and as Lightning increases in adoption, then that will automatically bring a lot of privacy just through that fact. Correct. But there will still be channel open, channel close, and there may be something that an outsider may be able to infer from watching your channel opening and channel closing as well. Well, and something actually I thought I was... I think I tweeted it earlier, but so all these change outputs that come from mixing, right? So we'll use Whirlpool, for instance, but Wasabi has the same thing. The whole coin, the whole UTXO set can't go through the mix, right? There's always going to be, there's a fee going in, but there's always going to be some change that comes back because nothing in the world is perfect in that case, right? So what do you do with that change? That's still linked to your past history. So let's say KYC or whatever, that's still linked there. And... So you have a whole subset of little bit, little pieces of change. Well, you got to really think about, do you want to mix? Do you remember, first off, are you labeling your transactions? That's important, right? And if you aren't, if you just go through and just merge all those pre-mixed transactions or the change transactions, there you go. You just linked a bunch of mixes that you just put together, right? You don't link the other side, but you at least link that you did a bunch of mixes, right? But One thing you can do that I've used that works really well is you can take those small bits of change and put them into Lightning using ZigZag or using Submarine Swap, some of these tools that actually take on chain and swap it into Lightning for you. You're using a service, you pay a little fee, but you you miss going into that the open a channel phase. You just go right into Lightning. So that's a really good tool. Uh, right now at least to get rid of some of that little bit of change you have right yeah that's and that's a difficulty as well i've noticed uh, i think samurai are aiming to come out with something on this i think the function they were calling it mix the change so they might have something in future on that yeah i think it's going to be like cascading pools or something right where it just kind of funnels its way down but yeah they're going to talk about the change right yeah Yeah. Uh, and i think that's to me i think overall again i don't want to like sound like i'm shitting on other um things but i just to me it seems like the samurai solution is a little more holistic in that it's considering the actual post mix part as well whereas if i were to go and try and teach someone oh hey use wasabi mixing then i've also got to like it's so easy to make a mistake with post mix yeah. out of wasabi right now yeah. i do recommend people to use wasabi just as a wallet if they just if they're a newbie and they just want a yeah, cold it's card a great, of wasabi it's a great I think it's a great wallet, wallet. Yeah. It but is, i am it is. a little um hesitant at this point to recommend wasabi mixing yeah but yeah, but uh, and now it, to be fair, people could also throw back an objection and say, well, right now, not that many people on Samurai are using Dojo and therefore that means a lot of people are trusting Samurai servers. So, Correct. you know, it, there's no one's perfect in this, right? So Correct. I don't want to come there's out tra- like... It's, it's yeah, a trade-off. Yeah. It's a trade-off thing, you know, and it's just what what works for each person individually, right? And that's how you got to look at it, uh, how I... Yeah, and, and I guess we've also got to consider there is the OG join market mixing, right? So that's like that's like the <laughs> that's hardcore right. I've one. never personally used it. I, I don't know if you have. I've never personally used it. It looks, seems really cool, but... And I know there's a, there's a maker feature, a market maker and taker feature where you can actually earn doing it i just never tried it myself yeah i haven't got around to it as well but uh, as i understand you can do very large or larger mixes on join market although i haven't i haven't got to that yet but yeah so i I think those are some good um tips for the listeners in terms of if they're thinking about bitcoin privacy in terms of transaction graph uh i guess we might talk about a little bit from an ip point of view so this is things like using tor maybe being careful about uh, when you use a block explorer, if you look that up from your home IP, 
then obviously they can infer that this IP was interested in this address, et cetera. Uh, do you have any, any, any points to add around that? That's a learning curve consistently, right? I still catch myself doing stupid things on that front, right? So like you said, I, I think the use core and block explorers is in my mind almost imperative. Um, like you said, if you're using Firefox, it's set up to your IP, maybe even a VPN, right? Well, VPN still logs that IP, right? So um, once you do that, you look up a transaction, okay, they know it came from you. Well, let's say you look up another transaction from a cold storage wallet. You just wanna say, yeah, I just wanna check on my coins that are in cold storage. Well, shoot, now they know that IP looked at this wallet and this wallet, right? And even for Tor, believe it or not, it's the same way. If you don't change your identity, between transactions and you look up now, granted onion, right? So onion routing, it, it hides it a little better, but if you don't change your Tor identity in between looking up at a transaction, you can still somebody I'm sure out there, not me, but somebody out there could probably dig through there and say, okay, this, this Tor relay, this Tor, uh, however it's set up, they looked at this transaction then five minutes later, the similar route looked at this transaction, right? I mean, it gets that deep in most of no, I mean, heck, I forget to do it sometimes, but it's a constant learning curve you got to go through. So, um, yeah, switching, switching identities in between transactions, I think, is an important, um, important step in the right direction for everybody. It's going to be a habit change for most people. Um, but you can open and maybe just switch between a couple different explorers. If you're looking up a couple multiple transactions, just go between a couple explorers. Use blockstream.info, use you know mempool.space or whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think the other way that it will go is just people will learn to use their own block explorer, right? Like if they Correct. right, and then that way you can just safely look up as many times as you want and not Correct. worry about changing cycling through IDs all the time. Correct. If you can run your right own. now, it's a little hard to set up. There's a few out there that have come out. I I haven't done one. I know the new not or the new upgrade that's coming that will be coming. Not necessarily the box, but uh, Keto Miner's rolling out an upgrade that's going to have a block explorer built in. So I know Electromex was a big part of that because it needed that history for the that for that block explorer. So yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, I've got an episode, so I've recorded it, but I haven't released it yet. Um, nice. But I'll be releasing that with um uh, the guy who created MyNode, and MyNode actually has its own block explorer. So that's another nice. great, um, great privacy win. Awesome. Yeah, um, but there are some other ways you can get owned as well, right? Like email notifications. I think that's a really, you know, just no brainer. But at the same time, there's a security part there as well. So let's, so let me walk through the example. So I go to a KYC exchange, I buy the bitcoins on there, and then I withdraw them to my own address. And then guess what? They send an email notification saying, "Hey, Stefan, we're withdrawing X, Y, and Z number of bitcoins to this address." <laughs> and now your email provider has your uh, knows that address. How many people are using Google out there, right? For email, holy crap! I mean, good gracious, you know, it's yeah. No, I didn't. Even, yeah, that's. I mean, that's a very valid point because now that's all logged in that email server. Now they have, and who knows? You get broken into there, and that's where mixing comes in, right? You take that. Put it into your address, mix it, send it somewhere else, right? And break up that break up that trail that you started with an email, right? Yeah, right. And I guess, look, I mean, there's different views on this point. I, I'm sure if you hear some people in the community or in the Bitcoin world, they'll say never use KYC Exchange uh, and others who will think of it more like, no, just you can buy on there and mix it afterwards. Now, some may say that's a harmful mindset. Uh, I sort of, I'm sort of on the fence there. I think... There is a need for some of these KYC exchanges for different purposes, but there's also a need for some of the no KYC yeah, exchanges I, as well. I'm on your side with that. I, I it was a recent episode you published. I know you were kind of going back and forth. Was it bit the Bisc one? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you know some they were like, ah, just just don't do the KYC. But there there there's a need for adoption. I mean, they they're KYC, but they they. They help build, I mean, gosh, Coinbase, when it first came out, their wallet was slick, easy to use, right? It just, it's something I didn't think about, but it was easy to buy. You could get it, get it off, do your thing. But again, like you said, there's a need for it. But then once you're comfortable and you understand how the process works and you feel like you want to go to that next level, that's where you take that 
that reliance off of KYC exchanges and go to something like BISC or HODL HODL, cash trades, you know, whatever. There, there's a lot of options out there. You just got to hunt a little bit for it, right? And uh, let's talk, I guess, about privacy outside of just Bitcoin itself. So, for example, with your phone, uh, with uh, some SIM cards require KYC. Do you have any thoughts on ways to protect yourself there? Yeah. So this, and again, this is for me, this is the newer side of privacy for for me. And I, I learned, I will credit the Samurai Telegram chat for this. They like just over the last couple of years, just listening to these guys talk and chatter um, about privacy in general, really opened my eyes to, you know, everything from, you know, cell phones to SIM cards, how, how, how it all ties everything back to you. Right. So for instance, on a cell phone, iOS is, iOS is pretty, is a, um, to my knowledge, pretty safe phone, right? It's locked down pretty good. Um, just like a Mac computer. I mean, those things are tough to really, you don't see guys maliciously creating code for them too often. Right. But you're also limited, but with, um, with Android, you can, um, Basically, using something, you can root phones. Now, I wouldn't recommend just going out rooting a phone and putting a Bitcoin wallet on it, right? Um, you know, this, uh, the Samurai Wallet guys, they say, always make sure to have a hardened operating system like Graphene OS, Graphene OS um, where it's it's hardened all the way down to basically, I, I hardened all the way down to the uh, you know, secure the secure, I wouldn't say secure element, but there's only certain phones they build this operating system on like the Pixel, right? So um, it's locked down as much as you can lock it down, right? It's all using Android open source um, code. And then from there, you can uh, basically customize and do anything you want. So you can, uh, you've deep-loaded your phone at that point, no Google. Um, you've basically wiped it down to a browser F-Droid for downloading. Uh, you can always use Aurora, which is gives you access to Play Store, so you can get other apps if you want them. But you've worked it down all the way to texts, phones, a browser, what is bare minimum as you want to go, right? Um, but from there, um, you, you mentioned SIM cards. So I think it's hard to get them nowadays, but I think the UK has no KYC SIM cards, which you can get fairly easily. Um, and what you could do is use bit refill with Bitcoin. A lot of guys living off Bitcoin out there. Um, they don't want their phones tied to a, tied to their name. Uh, so what they're doing is using SIM cards, topping it up with Bitcoin and there's no, uh, there's no connection to you. And all these chat apps we all use, you know, Telegram, WhatsApp, uh, which I wouldn't recommend that Telegram. Um, I think signal, they all ask for a phone number, right? So if you're going through all these privacy steps and we'll use telegram for instance we go through all these privacy steps we all have nims out there we're all being as safe as we can but then we just give telegram our phone number right our our actual phone number um you've just inadvertently given a server somewhere in russia i think telegram's out of somewhere over there access to your phone number right who knows are they gonna go sell it are they going to go come looking for you? I mean, you can pull a phone number up on Google and I'm sure find somebody's address pretty easily. Right. So, I mean, it's that easy to dox yourself. So there's really a lot of things depending on your threat model that you need to really look out for um, in that aspect as well. So Part of it though, is uh, there's a bit of a social network component to this as well. Right. So obviously with Bitcoin, uh, there's a lot of telegram chat groups so then you kind of have to use telegram oh, yeah. uh, even if you might prefer to use something else and i think at this point it's fair to say nobody has really hit the holy grail in terms of ease of use encrypted all end-to-end -end, and like not doxing your phone number as well like i think it's pretty much nobody's got that i would agree i would agree you can i think there's a some of them have got about 80% there probably, but the convenience or the mass adoption of that service isn't there, right? I, I, who posted it recently? Was it Jameson? Somebody posted a, uh, a spreadsheet of all the different um, 
chat apps or whatever. I think yeah, it- Jameson posted it. I think this other guy was uh, tweeting about it. Uh, I forgot his name as well, unfortunately. Um, he, he's not a Bitcoiner, but I think he's like a privacy guy. But anyway, I think at the top of that list, there was Riot, Matrix, and uh, I think Wire was pretty high on the list. It wasn't Wire the top was one. On there, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess those are ones to consider. But at the same time, it's all well and good for you to go and set up on these things. But if nobody else is there, well... <laughs> That's you're you're chatting with yourself. That's exactly what you're doing. I mean, so I down. It's kind of funny. I downloaded uh, Riot. I did uh, after I saw that. I'm like, oh, Riot. The and I the purism guys use Riot, and I'm got looking at it. I'm like, oh, this is great. Who the hell do I talk to? There's nobody there to talk to, right? So there, I'm back to Telegram again, and it's like I got to go sell people to come to Riot if I want to use it. You know, so. I don't know. What do you do? You think there will be a holy grail in that aspect anytime soon? I mean, that's maybe not. Maybe not anytime soon. But if we were to get enough of a community momentum around something, then maybe we could push people to go to Riot or I don't know one of these one of these yeah, apps, right? Yeah. Who knows? But then the, yeah. the other challenges as well is what if it gets superseded later and people are getting fatigue from having seven thousand different chat apps on their phones? So. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of the, I mean, the real issue, honestly, is um, I've got the cell providers. I'll be honest with you, the way they've got it set up. um, We have to use SIM cards for the most part. Right. I mean, it's getting a lot better. A lot of places where you can go uh, voice over IP and things like that, which that's great. But um, you can't do that fully yet that once uh, i was reading once 5g gets out there i think it'll get to that point where you can basically do without sim cards right and then you're at a hardware level battle to create that phone like the purism guys the live room five or something that is a has hard kill switches on the microphones the cameras but yet they have the full compatibility to be able to utilize a spectrum like that and then you could essentially do without sim cards and then we're in a different game you know i mean that's where it opens up the door for a lot of these chat apps the encrypted ones to really i think take off and uh, people utilize them yeah Uh, what about your thoughts on using a nim online now within i guess i'll just offer some quick thoughts myself i think within bitcoin it's it is useful that there are some people you know like me just real name real face they're out there just to kind of give newbies a face to look at and you know but then for people there's also a lot of value to having anonymous or pseudonymous nims can you comment on on your thoughts there and any tips around using a nim and keeping some privacy in that way i'm still working my way around this one right online nowadays nims i think are important especially in our space because we all have a belief on where this space is taking us where it's going, where the value will be. And I think we're a very small subset of the ecosystem or the world in general. And when people wake up to what Bitcoin is and the potential of it, it could really harm some people out there if they aren't, you know, paying attention a little bit um, or being safe with what they do. So I think NIMS are important. Um, it's extremely easy, even if you have a NIM, to dox your NIM. Um, I've done it multiple times uh, without really thinking about it. And again, you're linking again phone numbers and different things that maybe uh, maybe uh, you know your your friends might not care about, but you know other people will see Facebook, all these Instagram, all that kind of stuff. You're you're putting your face out there. Uh, you're putting your information out there. You need to think before, um, you know, people need to just think what's more important, right? You're going to give up some convenience. You're going to give up, you know, I haven't had Facebook for, I don't know, four years now, and it's been liberating to say the least. And, um, but you're giving up some convenience and socialization in that aspect because you're going behind a, in my case, a pain M from, you know, the little pain M robot face, right? I'm going behind a little robot face that, um, you know, I express out on Twitter and different places, Telegram and different places. Um, and you're creating almost a, a separate uh, personality for yourself. But in the end, I think it's important for the protection of yourself and your family in some cases um, to do that. And people do it in the whole in many different ways, right? Sometimes they just create a fake name, fake account, um, 
on emails. You can, you can easily do all that. I just, you look, uh, I mean, remember what happened to Jameson, right? Out there in Raleigh, I think it was in North Carolina, where somebody knew, found out where he lived and sent the SWAT team there, just called some bullshit on him and sent the SWAT team there. And God, dude almost got killed by the SWAT team for nothing, right? Just because somebody got pissed at him or whatever it was. I mean, it's dangerous. It's kind of, you know, you got to watch that. So I think people need to think about it and think, think what's important and, you know, go from there and decide if it's uh, the right thing to do for them. Did you have any parting thoughts to share with the listeners in terms of things they should think about as they're going on that journey of improving their own privacy? I would say just go online, join chat groups, listen to podcasts, um, ask questions. Believe me, I've asked a ton of questions and I'm learning every day. I mean, it's a, it's an experience to go through the journey. My wife looks at me and goes, are you crazy? Something, you know, I mean, she's like, what the hell are you thinking? I'm like, Hey, just, just let me do my thing, babe. You know? Um, but it's one of those things just, just learn from people because believe it or not, all these nims out here, you, you see in these chats, they want to help you. Right. I mean, they, they, they value, we're all in this together in the end, you know, we're all fighting the same thing The you know, well, my world, the, the government and all that crap, all the BS they put down on us. We're all out here to create a more liberating society, I guess, where we can function together. Um, so we're all in this together. I would just pay attention. I mean, your pot, everything you're doing is phenomenal. Um, people just need to listen to podcasts. They're driving down the road. I mean, sitting in traffic for two hours, going to work put some darn podcast on instead of listening to Molly Cyrus or whatever. Right. I mean, learn it's uh, it's an experience. Um, catch, go on Twitter, go on Bitcoin Twitter specifically, because there's a lot of good people on there that just, there, there's more, there's more than you can read in a day. Right. So it's important just go on Twitter, go on Telegram, join, join the Samurai group, join the Noddle group, join whatever group out there and just learn from people because there's all over the world. You wouldn't believe what people are doing and going through uh, to, to keep themselves safe, private and uh, you know, keeping it going. So, yeah, fantastic. Well, look, thank you very much for joining. And I think the listeners will get a bit out of listening to your journey. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. Hopefully uh, I didn't ramble too much on stuff, but uh, yeah, I hope, uh, yeah, just check out everything we talked about. I think, I think people, will enjoy going down that rabbit hole a little further. So give them something a little different to look at. Hope you enjoyed that. Make sure you follow Pura Vida on Twitter and check out some of his work at The Lightning Hood. Also, just a quick note for Raul Powell and the guys over at Real Vision. They wanted to share this quick offer just for the listeners who are interested in their gold versus Bitcoin series. So you can go to realvision.com slash gold dash Bitcoin. They're offering a deal where it's three months subscription for $1 and they've got a whole range of different speakers as part of the series, including Plan B, Safe Dean, Dan Tapiero, Dan Moorhead and some others. Lastly, go to stefanlevera.com. You can find the show notes, the transcript, and you can subscribe using a podcast app such as Pocket Casts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the Citadels.